0: Hey, NoosaCast listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Please help us grow by subscribing or sharing the NewsCast or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now,
1: let's get this show on the road. And then when I wrote it, I got all done and I wrote it and then I reread it. And yeah, I was, I was sitting there crying in my office and I don't do that very often, so it's not a regular occurrence.
2: Welcome to the NoosaCast. What is a NoosaCast? It's where we bring local folk stories to life through conversation. Right, newscast listeners uh welcome to episode 17 of the newscast uh, we are going back to lawrence uh, back to the blue and uh talk a little bit about lawrence history with an amazing guest uh joe vandenacker who is the sports information director and uh, it's, this is a great interview i have known joel uh since i started when i started at lawrence in 1999 uh I was an assistant coach for baseball, and Joe came on as the sports information director at that time. So it was it's a great interview. It was good catching up with Joe. Uh, super informative. I'm going to tell you, if you didn't know a lot about Lawrence University, you're going to find out a lot about Lawrence University. He is he is the history. He knows the sports. He knows pretty much everything you uh, want to know about it. So it's going to be a great interview.
0: Yeah, Tosh, he was awesome for sure. One of the better interviews, all of our interviews have been really good, but... Yeah, Joe just has a way of, of telling stories and captivating the the audience for sure. So we uh,
2: kind we, of what kind of what this news the newscast is all about telling stories and yeah. uh, hearing, hearing the stories about different people. So that's awesome. I I, yeah, I think it's going to be a great interview, and uh, you know we get to hit a little bit on Lawrence one more time. Um, but before we do that, you know, Joe, we have level two playoffs coming up for football, high school football yes. here in Wisconsin. Yes. Uh, we have a lot of teams from the valley moving on. We have uh, FVL uh not Winneconne, um, Wrightstown. We have Kimberly, we have Fond du Lac, we have Nina, uh, just to name a few. Right,
0: Kimberly. I think the Kimberly Stevens Point game uh, in, yeah. in level two. That that'll be a heck of a game. Uh, I was fortunate. FVL. F- oh, oh no. Go ahead. I was- well, I, I officiated both teams, and not, not that that really means a whole lot, but I, I feel like that just from that standpoint, I feel like that's going to be a pretty competitive, evenly matched game that that's going to be a good yeah. one to watch.
2: Yeah, both traditionally pretty decent programs. Spash is always always has a decent program with a lot of their sports, just like Kimberly does. So yeah, um, two uh, two traditionally powerhouses in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, we have FVL moving up to. Uh, Notre Dame to take on the Tritons of Notre Dame. Uh, Number two versus number three matchup. That's going to be a good one as well.
0: Absolutely. I like Notre Dame. Notre Dame has a nice little field tucked in there off of, I don't even know what street that is. Mason Street, maybe? I think it's Mason. Yeah, Yeah, I think it is. But uh, yeah, some good times on that field.
2: That's going to be a good one. Um, You know, we have another, not football, but another big sport this week as well. Um, Number one xavier volleyball girls volleyball is taking on number two uh fbl they're going at it a second time and who knows what's going to happen when you play a team the second time yeah Uh, that is a huge rivalry a huge game to move on to the next round um just that'll that'll be a fantastic match
0: yeah looking forward to that one definitely and you know uh appleton sports.com listen listen paul have coverage of, of that for sure. Uh, that's going to be a heck of a hey T- the great time of year, isn't it Tash? I mean this is yeah. there all all these sports are peaking and and this is when you want to be right. playing your best ball no matter what what ball yeah. that is.
2: And like you said, you know, we can't cover everything here. Um but you can get all your coverage at appletonsports.com. So there you uh, check that out and uh, check out those interview those uh um those articles about your favorite f uh, favorite Appleton teams. So and speaking of Appleton, yes, you know, I think this would be a good time since we are doing another Lawrence episode, just to talk a little bit about Lawrence. And, you know, one of my memories, and this is not even sports related. um, There used to be this great event in the spring at Lawrence University called Celebrate. Yeah, I remember that. Remember going to celebrate? Absolutely. Yeah, that was when we were in high school. But they had the big hill uh, behind. Lost right there. Law street there Mm -hmm. before the Warsh center, right. Uh, before that was built and they would have bands at the bottom of the hill and you just sit on the hill, you'd listen to music. Um, you know, the, the college had beer, they had food, um, they had events set up all over the place. Uh, it was a great community events. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what exactly happened to it, but, um, that was always fun. I remember, you know, being in high school, going to celebrate, looks like the, uh, the college kids were having a blast at the time as well oh
0: absolutely didn't they so that arts building you know there, there's those steps that are back there it's sort of an yeah. amphitheater there have been bands there too was that part of celebrate as well or was that
2: something different ah that's a good question i don't even know if the arts building came after sell after they yeah. did celebrate i can't remember it might have been built later but you know what? Lawrence has had a big tradition, and I think it's one of their missions is to really be part of the community. Oh, and they, and they always, always have been, yeah. Always have community events. Um, it's, a, it's a great school. Uh, you know, primarily a lot of people think of it as a, a music school, but uh, you have to remember, it is one of the top liberal arts schools in the entire country. Yeah. Cons- consistently rated as one of the top schools. Oh, some on the street say it's the Midwest Harvard. That's that's exactly yes. And if you do like music, you can always go and listen to the incredible uh, students who are majoring in music and listen to them play free concerts a lot of the time. Just go into those. Uh, another great community event is their jazz weekend that is put on. Yes, um, they bring in. Tr- tremendous artists from all over the uh, country and the world for that matter. So,
0: yeah, that stuff goes on, Tash. We don't even realize it all the time at, at Lawrence. It, it's, it's always going on, and I don't take advantage of it. I live right there, and, and it's
2: uh, right. Yeah. And we haven't even brought up the sports, yeah, which, which is a big thing we're talking about this week with Joe Vandenacker. But, um, you know, besides football and hockey, um, most a lot of the sports you can go and watch for free. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I, I, I want to bring this up because I don't think people really realize there's only about 3% of high school athletes that go on and play at a college level anywhere. So you're still talking about some of the best athletes that were in their schools, and they're coming here to play at Lawrence. And uh, you're also seeing some of the best athletes who they're playing in their conferences as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, encourage. Encourage people to get out to the bowl and watch football. Um, go watch some baseball and softball. Check out check out the two basketball teams, the girls and the guys. This year, going to be fantastic and and fun to watch. Uh, after what Joe has said as well, baseball, softball. I mean, you want to see an interesting sport? They have fencing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, I mean, and
0: Tash, we 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 talked about this with Joe. It, it the, the fields that you go. You, the the sport is great the athletes are great but the venues are incredible as well i mean i'm yeah. going to go to a basketball game this year i haven't been to alexander gym in, in a couple of decades but he's right. right that's a great building an old building a classic college gymnasium yeah. you know with some great yeah, games absolutely on ah, the bonta Bowl, you and i have both said it that that's oh yeah for sure the best high school field around and and i'd argue one of the top d3 fields out out there easily yeah
2: absolutely they've done so much uh to that field it's it's a it's a gem in this area as well um yeah you know what they have some great facilities and one of the things that you may be seeing around uh lawrence right now is that they're improving all of their facilities as well uh baseball field and softball field are currently being ripped up and putting new turf in for the spring so they continuously are improving on what they have to try to attract those students that they want to have at their college, at the university, and uh, you know, provide them with with that that next level athletic and student athlete experience.
0: Yeah, I mean they're they're making improvements too, attached to college avenue, right? Putting that building on, right. on Drew and College. Right. Um, that's gonna be cool. And on that same corner just across the street, they they would really that entrance looks beautiful with that arch sign yeah. and but Lawrence, Lawrence has been a part of Appleton since Appleton started. I mean, the two have right. grown and, and lived together for, forever. They're, they're, they're one. You know, that campus, obviously, downtown is not downtown Appleton without Lawrence. And, and right. you know, downtown isn't what it is, to, you know, vice versa. But it, it's... Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's been here a long time. It's a beautiful campus. Like you said, I mean, just the academics are... are I mean, we joke about the Midwest Harvard, but it really is that it it, that's no joke that it's that good.
2: It is. And, you know, like we said, encourage you to get out, to walk around campus, to get to some music events, definitely get to the sporting events and uh, enjoy uh, the university, Lawrence University here in Appleton, Wisconsin. Well, we hope you enjoy this episode. And as you continue to listen to Uh, this episode and all of our episodes remember you can catch them on any place you get your streaming uh podcasts Uh, but also don't forget to check out tiktok check out instagram x youtube uh, any of those and remember to like and subscribe as much as you possibly can yes like and subscribe All right, NusaCast listeners, it's time for that look at history uh, that everybody loves, and that's our old look at new. And I, we always run into some pretty interesting history, whether it's local, whether it's state, whether it's national. Uh, it doesn't even have to be about sports. It's an old look at new. It is. So, Joel, do you want to go first or do you want me to tackle this, this one?
0: Well, I can tell you, Tash, I mean, everything you said, that's what old look at new is. But can I throw legend in there? I sure. I stumbled across a legend, and in fact, remember last week we were talking about parks, and yep. I was looking at parks, and I found the legend of Tallulah. So the okay. <laughs> the legend of Tallulah it's, it's it's one of Fox Valley's favorite I found, but it's it's about this beautiful Fox Indian princess, and obviously her name is Tallulah. This beautiful dark haired girl that uh, was the daughter of, of the Fox chief. So there were these two Braves, basically two right, strapping young lads I'm assuming. One of these these kids was from another tribe. They both wanted Tulula as their wife. So a little power struggle back there. So the chief didn't know what to do, so they decided that they were going to they were going to run for the princess. So the chief set up this this race where the starting point would be far up the Fox river and Tallulah would be waiting for the winner at one of the largest, uh, sulfur Springs, which is basically kind of pretty close to where Tallulah park stands right now. Okay. So the chief wanting, obviously his tribesmen to win, he doesn't want some, you know, competing tribe to get Tallulah kind of rigged the race. So he tells, he right. tells his man, he kind of shows him a shortcut. Um, how to get to Tallulah quicker? So the race starts, and of course the guy find you know takes the shortcut. He gets to to, to Tallulah first, and you know the deal was that that's who Tallulah was going to marry. So Tallulah was heartbroken. Little you know, nobody really realized that Tallulah really liked the the other one much better. In fact, was <laughs> in love with that other one. So didn't work out that way. So rumor has it, legend has it that uh, ever since then. She would go to these springs that were located right by Tulula Park and sit and weep and, and cry for her long lost love that she didn't have.
2: Wow. All right. The legend of Tallulah. So next time you're at Tulula Park, remember the legend of Tulula. Yes. Very nice. Yes. After a Indian princess. That's awesome. Yes. I have to follow that. Well, <laughs> October 22nd, 1939. NBC becomes the first network to televise a pro football game. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. Brooklyn, yeah. Oh, was it uh a team from Brooklyn beat the Philadelphia? I think it was. They're actually called the Brooklyn Dodgers beat the Philadelphia Eagles. 23, 14 at Ebbets field. Yes. So 1939, the first network television football game. Boy. And now Thursday nights. Sunday nights, Monday nights, yeah, every
0: night, really right. you throw college every in night. there, yes, yeah. Oh, it's un- unbelievable. Yeah, it makes you think about just the advancement in technology and how I mean how yeah. much that's exploded. And and can you imagine a game
2: at Ebbets Field for football? You know, it's be-
0: when you when you're on Facebook or whatever, you click on some stuff, and and you know, obviously the algorithm or whatever finds whatever you're interested in. So I, yeah. I must have been clicking on like old baseball or old stadiums so it'd be blimp shots or airplane shots of yeah. Old, but ebbets field was one of them and you can kind of you know they, they all those all those cool old new york east coast ballparks right. were like oddly shaped but you could see where the, a football field would sort of fit in there and i mean the views had to just be horrible you'd be 100 yards away <laughs> exactly. from the field but
2: exactly that'd be Crazy! I'm yeah, at the Brewers. I can't imagine county like,
0: stadium, remember, remember that. Oh my gosh! Yeah,
2: yep, that's true. Yeah. So 1939, first televised pro football game. So I think it's pretty uh, a pretty good old look at new this week. You get the legend, and uh, let's let's face it, uh, thinking of football and television now, that's probably pretty legendary as well. Yes, having the first professional game televised. So unreal. And that's our old look at new.
0: All right, Tosh, we are on to one of the best interviews we've had on the NoosaCast. A friend of yours, you've known Joe Vandenacker for a long time, Lawrence uh, Information Director, historian, but uh, this was a good one, Tosh. I, I had a lot of fun. I, I learned a lot.
2: Yeah, you know what, Joel? Uh, came on in 1999, uh, came from the Oshkosh Northwestern. And uh, he became a sports information director at the same time I became an assistant uh, baseball coach at Lawrence University. So, got to work with him for like 10 years. And the guy's amazing. He knows so much. He dives in and it, it becomes part of him. Uh, he knows the history of Lawrence all the way back. I mean, we were talking like the 30s. Uh, he knows records. Uh, he remembers the game that uh, we coached where we beat number three Oshkosh after going all for everything on our spring trip and it's still one of the, still the highest ranked team a Lawrence baseball team has ever beaten so uh, he brought that up as well so you know you're going to enjoy this you're going to hear a lot of information uh, about a lot of different sports but just a lot about Lawrence and Lawrence history as well so um, great person uh, he's at every single game I think yeah. so if you see him go talk to him He'll talk your ear off. He knows so much about, about Lawrence and the, the sports history and even just a lot of the history history of Lawrence University.
0: Yeah, it's a good one, folks. Enjoy.
2: I'm super happy to bring you another Lawrence product. Uh, we got Joe Van and Acker here. and Joe Van Acker is the sports information director. That's how I knew him 20 years ago or more when I was an assistant baseball coach at Lawrence and Joe came on. I tell you what, we're going to have some stories, we're going to hear some history, and uh, you're going to get to know Joe a little bit better. So, welcome to the podcast, Joe.
1: Good to be here. The
2: story goes back a while ago. Um, I started coaching uh, at Lawrence in uh, the spring of 1999, uh, baseball with Corey Krieger, and uh, as his assistant. And you came on at that same
1: time to Lawrence, didn't you? Correct. I started in uh, December of 99 and have been there ever since.
2: Yeah, we go back a long, a long ways. as I, I know we sometimes get stuck talking to each other at hockey games because I <laughs> bring my true. kids all the time. And uh, so we still run into each other, but um, you know, we'll get, get to the Lawrence part, but I want to get some of your background, you know, talk about where you went to school, what you did in high school and how, how reporting and uh, sports information became something that, uh, that really stuck with you and why you went into it.
1: Well, I, I'm a local guy. I grew up in the town of Menasha, right? Uh, my parents lived in, uh, in the little neighborhood right behind George's Steakhouse. So I, I grew up <laughs> right that. on the border. Had I lived in the next block, I would have been in the city of Appleton, but instead I was in the town of Menasha and basically, you know, grew up doing all the uh, sports related things that most boys do. You know, I played football and basketball and baseball because this was the, this was the 1970s and, and I, I, you know, we, we had a, we had a very, uh, sports centric family. Cause I had three okay. older brothers, uh, Adrian's the oh. oldest and then, uh, Marty and my brother, Anthony and Adrian and Marty were, you know, they were very good athletes. So I always looked up to them and wanted to be as good as they were at stuff. And so there were a lot of spirited games of uh, one-on-one in the driveway and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and those guys, they they beat the crap out of me from time to time as well. As older brother should, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun, and and I learned a lot. And you know, so I I, I grew up there, you know, playing in the Palisades Little League, and sure, you know, I was an early soccer kid. I, I played a bunch of youth soccer, and but you know, in in the end, you know, football kind of won out, and played you know played football at Menasha and baseball, and and then you know went to Menasha High School, and yeah. Graduated from there and went on to ended up at UW Oshkosh because I, I really liked the uh, Department of Journalism. There were some okay. really good people uh, teaching there and Gene Hintz was kind of my mentor. He was a he was an old sports writer. Uh, Gene had covered uh, the um, Lombardi Packers. So, so oh, he okay. was he was, you know, one of those guys where you could learn a lot from him simply by him being around yeah <laughs> so i had a yeah. lot of uh, great experiences with gene and then yeah once i you know i i kind of assumed i would go into broadcasting that was my initial thought okay when i started college but it just worked out that you know i, I ran into multiple i was in multiple journalism classes and every you know i had so many professors say well you're such a fine writer <laughs> you should probably do this ended up. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, Gene's influence, you know, directing yeah. towards sports. That was my passion. But but I did, you know, I did other things first. You know, when I graduated from college, you know, I had degrees in journalism and history okay. and because uh, I am a total history nerd, which <laughs> which works out great with what I do at Lawrence, because I am the I'm the sports information director. That's my title. But I also I always say I'm the de facto athletic historian i think it's safe to say that yep. having been there now almost 24 years you know i know more about lawrence athletics history than anyone on the planet <laughs> um but yeah i started out working i worked at a little weekly paper i worked at the ripon commonwealth press and okay. won a bunch of awards there worked there for multiple years great experience uh my colleagues there uh, jody fraley and tim like wonderful community newspaper people and Learns a lot from both of them. And of course, Tim, yeah. Tim, like his father was the guy who hired me, uh, Doug light like, nice. and uh, God rest his soul. Doug passed away, boy, okay. a long time ago now, probably almost um, close to 20 years. Okay. But he, you know, the, the like family there, you know, they are the epitome of community newspaper folks. Right. And yeah. you know, now they've, they've sold the paper, but you know, it, it's, there's nothing like living in a small town and being part of that, You know, literally being part of the community and as the as the I was the sports guy. And so I'm covering Ripon High School and Ripon College and Green Lake and Rosendale Brandon and sort of doing that stuff. Did that for multiple years and then moved on to the Oshkosh Northwestern and literally covered everything from uh, bowling. I used to on every Monday for three years, I had to put together the bowling leaderboard and pick bowlers (laughs) of the week and all that stuff. To the Super Bowl, Uh, you know, I covered uh, Super Bowl 31 Packers Patriots in New Orleans and covered tons of Packer games, uh, Badger football, all that stuff. But we were I was just talking about this with uh, one of my student workers at Lawrence and, you know, they said, oh, that's so cool because I have my Super Bowl credentials framed and hanging on the wall in my office because, you know, how many times was I going to cover a Super Bowl? (laughs) <laughs> and and I, I told him, I said, you know, my favorite thing, though, is still all the small school stuff. There's nothing yeah. like if you're a sports writer, at least for me, there's nothing like uh, covering football on a Friday night in the fall yep. or being in that small gym, you know, in places like uh, Markazan or, <laughs> you know, Amro and right. having it be just jam packed. Everybody in town is there. You know, there's a that's that's that gets to the heart of, you know, what our country is like. I mean, that is true Americana. And I really I really loved it, thought I'd be a sports writer the rest of my life. And then my paper got sold. The Northwestern was family owned. Exactly. The the Haney and Schwam families owned the paper and Mr. Haney and Mr. Schwam both passed away. And and yeah, I ended up uh I left and as did every other sports guy that was there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We all went on to different things, and I had a couple of job offers, and I ended up at Lawrence and dropped my resume off the day before I got married and (laughs) came back from my honeymoon in Hawaii, and, you know, they called me and said, hey, would you, you know, we'd like to interview you, and here I am, nearly a quarter century later. So, Did you have, when
2: you were in high school, I mean, did you know that journalism – was something that I mean, I'm going to Oshkosh. I'm going to go into journalism and have a good department. Is that like you knew as a high school kid that this is what you wanted to do?
1: You know, I was I figured it would be some sort of career in the media. Uh, okay. That that was kind of what I thought. But I really was thinking, you know, I would be involved in radio or television, sure. and okay. that was my first focus. Um, I certainly have the face for radio, but. Uh, <laughs> But I ended up and I worked at the college radio station, did that stuff. And, you know, but I I kind of thought that's where I would end up. But, you know, I I mean, I knew I was a good writer and that that always came through. Obviously, I got, you know, I got straight A's in English and that sort of thing. But I really didn't know until probably about my junior year at UWO that I was going to probably going to be a print journalist. And and then I said, once I got into it. Yeah, I kind of thought that's what I do forever and <laughs> I ended up I did it for 12 years. I worked at the Post Crescent yeah. as a college student. Yep. Dan Flannery was my sports editor. Wonderful sure. guy. Great, great journalist. And then yeah, moved on to Ripon and Oshkosh and and then ended up at Lawrence and I always say, you know, you end up where life is where life takes you and you, whether you believe it or not, that's probably where you're supposed to go. And yeah, for me it was it was lawrence and and i i had a connection with lawrence because i had i had been going you know i grew up just a yep. few miles from the bontable and my grandparents lived at 9 11 east washington street so they lived just across the river sure. from the gym and so yeah i mean i had been to the bontable many times to watch uh football in fact scott repper uh was just yep. at <laughs> our our game the other day and oh, uh, nice. when we. We played uh, the homecoming football game with Beloit uh, last Saturday, and Scott was there, and, you know, we were talking about uh, 1981. Uh, I remember going to the NCAA Division III playoff game. It was the national quarterfinals against the University of Minnesota Morris, and, boy, the Bonta Bowl was packed. We actually sat on the visiting side on the the (laughs) east side of the stadium because we had had, like, an ice storm, you know, kind of a snow sleet sure. sort of mix the night before. And it was really cold and the ice had just like frozen to those old fiberglass bleachers we used to have. Exactly. So we sat on the other <laughs> side cause we were in the sun and it was a lot warmer, <laughs> but, but I, I remember, I remember seeing Pat Schwanke catch the winning touchdown pass in overtime right, right in front of me. So, yeah, so yeah, I always had a connection so. with Lawrence. My best friend was a Lawrence football player. So, you know, That's we would awesome. go watch him play and, yeah, you know, so I've been there many, many times, but yeah, working there has been has been a great experience. It that's good. No other way to say it, Joe. I I remember I, I definitely
0: remember Scott Reppert in, in those years as well. I mean that Lawrence football was something else back back then. You're right, the Bonta Bowl was full. Do you envision a day where where football gets back to to that at Lawrence? I mean, you guys, Tosh and I, talk about this all the time. The Bonta Bowl is maybe the best venue that I can think of is as far as a football field a setting and just comfort. Um, it's one of the top places to play. What do you envision
1: something like that again for, for football? Well, I, I certainly hope so. Uh, yeah, the, the, bowl, just speaking about the bowl, I mean, it is a, it is a fabulous place to watch a game. If you've never been to a game at the Bonta bowl, you need to come, whether you're a huge football fan or whether you're a big Lawrence fan, or it doesn't make any difference. You just need to come and experience it because you sit so close to the field, Yeah. You know, in there. And then, you know, at this time of year, you know, the trees have changed and the there's the uh, on that uh, south end of the field where the ravine is, you know, the now you get the fall colors and it's just really pretty. And so you get that part of it, too. But, you know, it's a natural Mm -hmm. amphitheater. And that was that was the idea, because if you go on the other side of East South River Street, so the the south side of East South River, uh, you can see how the ravine runs through there. There's a little creek at the bottom. Um, and basically, what they did was back in you know the mid 1960s, George Bonta, who of course was the president of Bonta Paper Company in Menasha, and he was a Lawrence grad. He had the he wanted to build a football stadium in that natural amphitheater of that ravine, and yeah, so they 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 cut down the trees and kind of cleared it out, and they ran the stream underneath the football field. So there's <laughs> now there's no way the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources would let us do right. that now. <laughs> but back in 1964, when they were building the stadium, yeah, a little different story. So they they ran wow. the creek under the field. It still runs under the field. In fact, we replaced the culvert that it runs in when the stadium was renovated in 2015. Sure. So and that was it. You know, Mr. Bonta basically donated all the money to build the facility. And originally it was the Lawrence bowl. He did not want it named after him. And then when he died in 1978, they renamed the stadium in his honor and it's still the botta bowl today. Now, of course, the, the field is named for Ron Roberts, of course, legendary coach and all that, but it is a great place to watch a game. But I am, I, I always say this, I love our football coaches, uh, Tony Aker, who's our head coach. Um, and then the three, we have three full-time assistants, uh, Andy Piter. Andy's a local guy. He's from Denmark. Um, Matt Sasinski, who's another local guy. He's from Princeton. And then Josh Sharon, who is, uh, he's an Indiana native, but those guys, boy, they know what they want to do and they know how they want to do it. And, you know, we just kind of need to get the guys in here to yeah. get it done. So I, I think it's a, gr- they have a great plan in place and I, I have the, advantage I guess to for lack of a better term of every once in a while the we use the Bontable press box because that was that was also renovated when the stadium was was redone and it, it's a big space because what the football team does is they practice in the bowl every day and then they will use the coaches booths and the main press box booth to review video so we have video systems oh. in there so they can watch in the the main press box area is large enough where you literally, you can have, you know, 30 guys in there watching film. So like the whole offense can meet or the whole defense can meet. Well, they also use that to uh, entertain recruits. So after, after games, you know, they'll bring recruits upstairs. So high school kids, they'll come to the press box and there might be, you know, there might be a dozen of them in there with their parents. And, and then, and then Tony gives them the recruiting pitch and, and, it's, it's one of those, and, and Tosh has been in on tons of these sorts of meetings, and, <laughs> you know, and, and I've seen it many, many times. I've never seen anyone who is quite as passionate, for lack of a better term, as Tony Aker. When Tony's okay. talking about Lawrence football and what he wants to do and all that, it is like Reverend Tony. It is the church of Tony, and the game <laughs> is football, and, man, he is – it's it's kind of an amazing thing. I, I always think, well, if you walk out of one of those meetings and you don't want to play for Tony Aker, then there might be something wrong with you because it is a, it is a very very passionate uh, appeal and and he's he's a good guy. I I I really like Tony and the staff. And I mean, we're obviously we're having a rough year. We have not won a game yet. And yeah, but those guys are. Like I said, I think they're doing all the right things as I look at it from an outsider's perspective. I'm not a football coach, uh, but I think they're doing all the right things. And it just becomes a question of, you know, it might take another year or two before we get the sort of players that we need and want or the guys mature. And once again, you know, Tosh, you've seen that many times. The difference between a a player as as a first year and a player as a junior and a senior the the development factor is big and it's really big in football, just the physical changes that take place. So, so yeah, I'm actually, you know, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm actually pretty, with all evidence to the contrary in terms of wins and losses, (laughs) I'm actually still very optimistic about this group of guys. This is as good a group of football coaches as we've had. Um, I would say since Chris Howard first started in 2004, That was a very good group. And then when those, a lot of those guys left to, you know, cause they got other jobs. And then of course, uh, Chris's wife Mimi got cancer. And, you know, that just kind of derailed the the football program a bit, you know, kind of circumstances beyond his control a little bit. But yeah. this is as good a group of coaches as we've had in a long time.
2: I think there's a lot of excitement with Lawrence um, athletics right now because there is a renewed interest. I mean, you can just see it around campus that there's money being put into athletics. I mean, back when I was there in the you know early 2000s and stuff, it it wasn't quite as prevalent as it is now. And I think kids are going to see that too. So they're recruiting for all these coaches and the coaches are doing a great job. Um, and I think the kids are going to come. It's a beautiful campus.
1: You're 100% right about the, the commitment part. Uh, and that goes right from the top, from President Lori Carter, yeah. And a board of trustees, and then our boss, Jason Imperati, the director of athletics. Uh, we have just seen a, a renewed commitment to athletics. That's probably the best way to say it. You yeah. know, the the uh, Weddingfield Track just got redone. Uh, they yeah. actually they put the lines down last week, and track okay. had the their first fall practice on their new track. So that and that was a multi million dollar project that was completed. Wow. Um, and then the the team complex in the Bonta Bowl. So basically, now as you see the bowl now, there's the, there's the building that we use for football locker room, bathroom, concessions, mm-hmm. the Gilboy Center. And right across the plaza, as we call it, from that, kind of where the old building used to be that yeah. housed everything that was up against the hillside. There's a brand new building there, the team complex. And that will house, uh, in the fall, locker rooms for men's and women's soccer. And then once we start playing lacrosse in the spring of 2025, the lacrosse teams will use those locker rooms as well. And then there's a big visitor space, which uh, we can split in half for when we host visiting soccer because we, we play soccer double headers, basically, in yeah. the Midwest Conference and, or the visiting football team. Or okay. we can split it in half and host high school football. Where, you know we can have two locker rooms down there for for high school teams as well nice so and that once again that's a multi-million dollar project and that will be done here in the next couple of weeks so oh. we are we hope to use it yet this fall either for uh, hosting the Midwest conference soccer tournament and football so we're we're still in the hunt to host the conference soccer tournament but because our okay. our women's team just clinched a berth in that. So we're oh,
2: fantastic. hoping
1: to maybe sneak in and host it, but we're going to have to <laughs> win the last two and sort of see what happens. But, but yeah, well, when Rippon, our last home game is November 11th against Rippon. And when they're here, they will probably be the first football team to use the new locker room. And then we've also, as Hosh and I were talking a little earlier, they just, uh, they just tore off the turf at baseball and softball. So they're, they're putting down a new dirt and grass, uh, across both of those fields because they they hadn't really been you know that hadn't been done boy probably in yeah. since the Gosh. late 2000 maybe 2006 2007. Yeah, I was gonna there. say we it's put a new infield a
2: in and a new outfield in the time I was there
1: yep so and it's and been, that been a was while last yeah, time absolutely. so that that's being done as well and and then you know there's there's we also spent uh several hundred thousand dollars uh redoing the tennis courts as well down at the the bottom of the drew street hill there uh those are they resurfaced completely and kind of took up the top layer of asphalt put down new asphalt and then a new uh playing surface there and uh, my daughter is really excited about that of course because she's a lawrence tennis player so (laughs) so the the new surface it looks really nice and and that that facility is is also and we've been playing tennis down there i've seen photos going back to the 1930s wow. so so Lawrence tennis has been playing next to the river for a really long time but and of another, course that's another great yeah.
2: facility i oh, mean oh yeah it's beautiful that's,
1: yeah yeah i mean it's it's got to be when you when you look at it from a player standpoint and from a fan standpoint you know you're sitting on top of the hill you get to look out Basically, at the the courts and the river, and yeah, yeah it's pretty nice. And and I, I got to do some self promotion here because young Anna Vandenacker, who is a sophomore at Lawrence, uh, she went to Saint Mary Catholic uh, here, which is not far from our house out in Fox Crossing. Yeah, um, she was named All Midwest Conference this past week. Congrats! So
2: Congratulations! That's awesome.
1: She was yeah. very excited. I I was really happy for her. She had a she had a really good fall season. Made a big jump from playing number five singles to playing number two and then she went from number three doubles to number one and wow. and had a, she had, a, she had a good year lots uh, lots more improvements to make but but she did there very well
2: that's a proud dad moment right there oh that's yeah fantastic you bet.
0: <laughs> no love to hear that uh, joe you, you touched on on briefly lacrosse is going to start in the spring of 2025 and we, we had coach on a, a few episodes ago what what went into adding a sport at Lawrence to add lacrosse. That, that had to be a lot of steps to, to, to add a sport. Was that the only sport you added? Do you have to add a girls and a boys team? I guess, what is the process to add a sport at, at the college level?
1: Yeah, we've actually in the last uh, few years here, we, we added women's hockey. We've had a men's hockey program since the mid uh, 1980s. I think 86, 87 was their first season. So it seemed a natural to add the women's program and went ahead and did that. And uh, they actually played some exhibition games here over the weekend, so they're they're off and running. Um, but yeah, adding lacrosse, it was something that, boy, that had been talked about. I'm trying to think of how far back that goes. I mean, it's something that we had talked about for a bunch of years, but once again, when Lori Carter came on board as the new president, that was something that she put out there as a priority to basically increase sort of our athletic footprint in A lot of colleges and we certainly have not been one of them in this regard where there are a lot of schools who are struggling financially Mm -hmm. um, and we have those right in our own backyard i mean we we know that there are some there are certain challenges at places like marion and lakeland Um, you know i think ripon's had some financial struggles as well with enrollment but what keeps them going is the number of athletes they can bring in and so that's part of it we looked at adding lacrosse as a way to yes to add some more students absolutely but also as a way to sort of diversify our athletic footprint a little bit and yeah then you start going through the process of of you know how are you going to do this who's going to coach the teams where are they going to play i mean all that stuff what conference are they going to be in and that has not been decided okay. yet we're still I'm still investigating that. There's two uh, lacrosse leagues here in the Midwest, so we will end up playing in one of them. Um, but, yeah, Mikey Zadroga is the new men's coach. Uh, we will have an announcement on a new women's coach here relatively soon oh, as excellent. well. So that that getting that done, that was big. Um, but lacrosse was one of those things where it made sense for us because we already have the facility. You know, We have the Bonta Bowl. So, you know, the turf will change here a little bit when they put down the lacrosse lines, but we already have a facility in which we can play, which quite honestly will be really, really nice uh, because it's already great for football and soccer and, you know, nothing's going to change for lacrosse. So, so that that's a big part of it where you have that. And then the next part is, yeah, finding the right people to lead and build a program and as as you guys probably know from talking to coach the he does not lack for enthusiasm (laughs) he will get after it no question and that that's the other thing you got you have to find the right person who wants to take on that challenge of starting from scratch because that 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 can be difficult we saw that with women's hockey and i think but you know mikey he's off to a flying start he has a bunch of guys already committed for that uh, 24 25 academic year so he's doing very well it seems like a natural sport for lawrence i feel like lawrence always should have had a lacrosse team and we did that's the uh we had there there was club lacrosse boy going back uh decades I mean, we found we had we enlisted the help of the university archivist and yeah we found photos of of guys playing club lacrosse here going you know back to the uh, 1960s and 70s so there's always been a little bit of a presence with it uh rugby was the other yeah. one they, they played a lot of rugby they used to play on that <laughs> field that was next to the dormitory for the institute of paper chemistry right across sure. the street oh, yeah. from the gym yep. which is where all those condos are now yeah but that's, exactly yeah when i was a kid that was a wide open field because yep. i used to play in that field all the time because my mother cleaned that dormitory every morning from (laughs) Monday through Friday, eight to 12. And she would drag me along. I was in grade school and she couldn't leave me at home. So she just, she took me with her. And then, you know, I would walk out there with my baseball glove and a ball and entertain myself for the next four hours. But, (laughs) but that, they used to play rugby on that field and yeah, now, you know, we've got the ready-made site for lacrosse. So what what year was Alexander that's Jim a, built? How old is that building? Alexander, yeah, it's been around since uh, 1929. Uh, Henry Merritt Riston, who was the president, uh, laid the cornerstone himself back in 1928. Uh, but the the funny part is there was there was one guy in particular who wanted because the, there was a previous Alexander Jim that was the original Alexander Jim. And that stood roughly where um young child hall is now so as we have the uh where the where our wellness center is and where the the president's office is Their Sampson house it's at right behind that sort of behind main hall and a little to the left sure. and that's where the original alexander gym was that was where the first wisconsin high school state basketball tournament was oh playing. wow <laughs> and So everybody thinks it was played in the Alexander gym that we have now, but it was actually put in the old Alexander gym. But back in the twenties, they were going to build a new Alexander gym and the guy L M Alexander, he was the president of the board of trustees. He was going to donate the money to build it. And of course, Henry Merritt Riston, he said, well, we should build it next to the, our, our new football field and our track because we had been, we were competing at, we were playing football at Whiting Field and and that had been the track. I think they put the track in in 1925. So we already had athletic facilities there and he wanted to build the gym there. And Mark Catlin, who was, Mark Catlin had been the football coach, very, very successful. He's in the Lawrence Hall of Fame. And Catlin was a really interesting guy, uh, competed in the Olympics uh, the 1904 Summer Olympics in St. Louis. He he played uh, football at the University of Chicago for Amos Alonzo Stagg. I mean, went to law school. He was he was a lawyer. He was the Game County District Attorney, and he was a state assemblyman. He lived right on Alton Street, right next to campus. And well, Catlin said, "Don't separate athletics from academics. Let's build the gym." He wanted it built on the corner of college and law so where Kohler hall sits now that's where he wanted the gym built and henry merritt wriston basically argued the other way he said you know we already have athletic facilities over there this is going to put our athletics in one place so that was what wriston wanted and for several months because when i was researching catlin as a potential hall of famer i went through months of old appleton post crescents and they would write letters to the editor so Catlin would write one saying, let's do this. And then Wriston would respond and he and then Catlin would respond and then Wriston would respond. And in the end, of course, uh, Henry Merritt Wriston was the president. So he won. <laughs> <laughs> we built the gym on the south side of the river instead of wow. the north side. But, but yeah, been there since twenty nine. It was renovated really for the first and only time in 1985 when they they removed the pool because that that building had a swimming pool and of course when Tosh was coaching with us that was the we called it the green room because it had yep. a green turf floor and that's where the batting cages were and the, yeah. that was the wrestling room as well back then
2: I, and, I, I want to forget about those days <laughs> that
1: smelled so bad <laughs> and then now of course now that is that is the weight room and they they took yep. out the, um, the well when they renovated the building in 85 they covered up the old windows rather than replace them so they on the outside i'm not sure what the material is on the outside and the inside it was this acoustic material and we in the in the new weight room they actually put three of the windows back in there were five of them down there and so that that gives that room a lot more natural light looks really nice it's a really nice weight room now um but the building has really undergone some changes in the last few years uh when Kim Tetra was still the AD, we redid the floor. That was the gym floor itself, because um, that floor has been there since 1985, and we put down the new Viking ship logo, and it looks really, really nice. And then we've done a lot of, I guess, what I would call branding in there in various parts of the building. So it kind of gave, it gave, she's, a Alexander Jim, I would say, she's she's a grand lady, but we gave her a little bit of a facelift, and, and that is, that's helped a lot. It's still a, you know, same thing. If you haven't been to a basketball game at Alexander gym, yeah, because it, it's not big, but the way the court is situated in there, you know, you, it basically, you, you walk in through the front doors and and the court basically runs East to West in, in there. And there's bleachers on one side and behind one basket, but the other side, the other two sides are walls. So you've got the scores table and the benches on one side. There's a wall right behind us, and then you got the wall behind the other basket. So there's no place for that sound to go. So from the stands, you know, when people cheer, that sound kind of pushes out right towards the players, and then it hits that wall and bounces right back. And when you put like 500 people in there, it's loud. You put a thousand people in there, like we were doing for the NCAA tournament, you know, some years back, it is just flat out deafening. It is really, really loud in there, but great place to play. And you know, I I always say it's a it's a classic old school gymnasium. You know, it it doesn't you know we we dressed her up a little bit, but she's still very old school. And uh, and I'm an old guy; I like it that way.
0: So I kind of do. I I agree with you. It 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 looks great up there on the ledge, and and it is. It's
1: a grand old building. How does the basketball team look this year? Uh, actually, both teams uh, should be... I think our women's team will actually really surprise some people. Um, we we lost, in the space of three weeks last year, we lost three players with ACLs. Uh, <laughs> Caroline Sharp, Maggie Culver, Emma Carlson, who were three of our top five players. Uh, so that really put a... They were just starting to play well and sort of getting it, and that derailed them completely. So that, that was... That was difficult. All three of them are back, and Emma Carlson is a fifth-year senior. She's our she's our you know big player in the post. So we're we should surprise some people having those three players back and healthy. And we have a we, we have a whole there's a whole group of newcomers as well. But the one that I'm really interested to see is Talia Mo. She's uh, Stevens Point. She went to Spash, and basically broke a bunch of records there Uh, she's a five foot ten point guard and everything that i hear (laughs) is that she is going to be phenomenal so looking forward to watching her direct our attack and really excited about that and on the men's side you know it it was kind of a it was an odd off season for casey corn and his guys We literally we brought in a we brought in a really nice group of first year guys last year and then lost virtually all of them (laughs) for various reasons. Um, But none of them were really basketball related. It wasn't like, oh, you know, I want to play more. I'm not playing enough. It wasn't any of that. It was a couple of them were injury related. Uh, Nick Hesch, especially where his family doctor and orthopedic guy basically said, well, if you don't want to have your knee replaced when you're 40, you should probably stop playing basketball. Oh, so wow. so we lost him and then the other big one was Parker prawl uh, he transferred to Stevens Point he I think he just wanted to be within shouting distance of home in Iola so that sure. that was a big loss because he's a he's a very athletic guy however <laughs> the, the group that Casey uh, brought in this year is I would say better than the group we had last year that came in and that was a very good first year group but there's a couple of guys to really watch in this group. Uh, one of them is Hogan Domofsky, who is uh, uh, he's a DePere guy, so just won a state title with De Pere. And, Of course, his teammate, you know, uh, young Mister Kinsinger. Of course, you know the Kinsinger boys. Their father is Jeff Kinzinger, who's in the Lawrence Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't know that people realize that that Jeff was a great athlete. He was he was our quarterback in the 1990s when we were scoring points like crazy and you know Jeff set all sorts of of records as a quarterback back then and but yeah his boys all gravitated towards basketball but but we got Hogan Domofsky and I think he's going to have an immediate impact and there's multiple other guys and just getting a chance to to watch them as they start practicing now and once again we're I think we're gonna surprise some folks because we do have uh, you know we have we have the two main guys we have coming back. Uh, Adnan Saranchik, who is one of my sports information assistants, and uh, and Matt Kaznikov are both really good players. Adnan, very athletic, he's going to be tough uh, inside. And then boy, you throw all these all these young guys that we have. It, depending on how they develop, uh, Illinois College without question will be the the best team in our league. But beyond that. I think it's fairly wide open. Um, I think Monmouth will be decent. Um, Cornell, I think, will be okay. Uh, Grinnell will be the same as they always are. Um, you know, it'll be a little crazy uh, playing circus. them. But, but I think it's – and Rippon should – Ripon has a new coach, so we'll kind of see how things go for them. They graduated a bunch of guys. So I think the men's conference is a little more up for grabs. I think if you if you – hit it right and you start playing well at the right time you could make a run but yeah Illinois College they are going to be tough to beat they're they are they're experienced they're athletic they're tough and and they're really well coached which you know I I don't want to speak ill of of someone who used to coach in our in the Midwest conference but back in the old days you know Illinois College would roll in and they'd get off the bus and you'd think wow how are, these guys look really impressive and then you'd watch them play for about fifteen minutes. You go, yeah, they're just not that good. <laughs> they, they just didn't play very well together, and you know we'd end up beating them by twenty. And yeah, whereas now, yeah, that doesn't happen. They're a lot better, and and they'll be tough. I mean, I would be, I would think they'll be a team that's nationally ranked, and and they'll be the team to beat in our league, no question. Okay. So, Joe,
2: it's obvious you know a ton, but not only history. What is a day like for you, as as a sports guy for Lawrence,
1: well, even on Sundays, I still uh, this morning I still did work. I, I'm a <laughs> I'm a voter in the D three football top twenty five poll, so okay. that was the first thing I did this morning was cast my vote. And yes, I voted North Central number one again. Um, <laughs> three WEAC teams in the top seven. <laughs> so, but wow. a typical day for me is you know usually if we have a home event, then it, it a lot of it involves getting ready for that, making sure that, you know, I've done the game programs and that, you know, the computers are ready to go because, of course, we're, we we have to set up for live streaming because we live stream virtually every event. Uh, You know, we streamed four events on on Saturday alone. Um, So, you you know, you have to have that. You have to make sure you have the student workers lined up and do all that. But there's other things in terms of um, I'm doing everything from. On the course of a given day, you know, nominating guys for player of the week uh, in our league, uh, picking my own players of the week because we we pick we call Vikings of the week. So so I do that every week as well. It's that's my Wednesday morning. That's the first thing I do on Wednesday morning. So uh, but there are just so many little different things that you end up doing. You know, the days are the the activities are similar, but every day is a little bit different where I, I could do everything like i said from scoring a game to you know doing you know updating historical records which i do at the end of every season and just you know fielding questions i mean i get I, i got a question just uh last week week before from a guy who played football here in the late 70s early 80s and He said, you know, I was at I was at reunion here in June of 2023, and and I looked at the record, the football records, because I had been telling people that I had the record for the longest punt return. And yeah, he had a (laughs) 93 yard punt return during his career. And he said, I saw that I didn't have the record anymore, but that the guy who holds the record said it in like 1932. What, you know, sorry, he was like, what happened? So I, I explained to him that, well, you know, back in the early 2000s, we were doing a sort of a, we were doing research, or I was doing research on George Walter as a potential Hall of Famer. And George Walter played football at Lawrence, but he was also a, he was an administrator, professor, a dean for how, 40 plus years here. He's sort of a Lawrence legend. And as I was doing the research, yeah, I came across the newspaper clipping that, that showed that this guy uh, Merlin Find, his nickname was Smiley. Well, he had a 95-yard punt return for a touchdown. So I went <laughs> back and yeah, I, I found that that source in a couple of places, and I'm like, okay, I guess Hugh Delios doesn't have the record anymore, so I changed <laughs> it. <laughs> oh man! But he was surprised that he didn't have the record anymore. But just like stuff like that pops up, and I end up talking to you know people. Different people from literally around the country, it seems like, every week related to teams we're playing or places we're going to go or, you know, different things that pop up related to Lawrence Athletics. And but yeah, a lot of it is, you know, it's kind of a routine. You know, you do sort of the same things every week and then you take those those weeks where it's maybe not as busy from a from an event standpoint and use that to catch up on certain things here and there. And then the weeks where you have a lot of home events, and we had we had uh, seven this last week, so you know oh. it was very busy. And then you just sort of get through the week and move on to the next week. So we this week there's only it's um, only four home events this or, yeah four <laughs> home events this week, so it's a little quieter. But but yeah, typical day is is the same, but always just a little tiny bit different. So.
2: So you have a lot of, um, a lot of students that work for you, Correct. but you're still, you're the man.
1: There's yeah. It's your... a one man operation, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, you know, covering 22 teams. Um, you know, and I do have a great student staff, uh, this year, especially, yeah. uh, there are, guys and and i have multiple baseball guys who work for me uh zach leslie who's our all conference first baseman and uh dylan hunt who uh pitcher for us you know uh avery grayton who was on the baseball team he played a couple seasons Uh, he works for me as well so those baseball guys have always kind of formed the backbone of of the staff because they they the busiest seasons are fall and winter so they they shoulder a lot of the load uh jonah palmer is one of our pitchers he works for me as well uh but yeah and then you know we have other kids who fill in at different times it's a lot of had a lot of basketball players over the years and and uh, this year uh i think this is the most uh, in terms of women that i've ever had on the staff but my daughter anna works with us and then her roommate who's one of our soccer players erica gruby and bailey griffiths who's one of our women's basketball players but those student assistants, obviously, I can't be at everything when we have, yeah. especially when we have conflicting events. So you have to train those kids and hand it off to them and say, okay, this is what you need to do. And without fail, you know, they handle that stuff. And and as, it, you know, they're smart kids. You know, they get into Lawrence yeah. for a reason. And yep. you can you can basically tell them, hey, this is what you need to do. And you can leave them some instructions, but... You know 99 times out of 100 you know they already know what they're doing and they do it well <laughs> and I've, I've had i was gonna say over the years my first two student workers were two baseball guys chad waller <laughs> from yep. wapaka and yep. now dr matt smith from yeah. albuquerque new mexico and great great guys i mean oh yeah <laughs> the i was i was i love to tell the story uh that spring of 2000 was my first baseball season at Lawrence. And that was the when we used to play the four-game series with with the with the conference opponents. So we had four games with all the North Division teams. So Carroll, yep. Beloit, Ripon, and St. Norbert at the time. And you guys would play the Thursday, Saturday series. So the rain dates were exactly. always Friday and Sunday, in case you had weather issues. So Waller goes out, we're playing Ripon. He wins the first game on Thursday, oh, gosh. complete game victory. And on one day's yep. rest, he wins one of the games on Saturday. Yes, he did. <laughs> and we sweep the doubleheader. We take three or four from Rippen. And I think Bob Gillespie, the coach, Rippen coach at the time, probably still oh. sees Chad Waller in his nightmares. But oh, absolutely, that was it's, that was amazing.
2: Chad didn't throw hard.
1: No, he,
2: he wasn't no. a hard thrower. <laughs> but, but he he had great placements. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, good control. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, yeah. I remember that that weekend. Oh gosh. And and Thursday, Chris Clothier, that it is.
1: oh Chris, yeah, Chris Clothier was one of my great all-time great student yes. workers, Tolf as yep. we call them, uh, yep. Xavier Kid. Uh, his mother yep. is one of our great Lawrence super fans, without <laughs> <Yes>. question. <laughs> um, but yeah, those guys, like I said, those guys do so much work, and they don't get a lot of credit, you know, for what they do. They take a lot of, they will take abuse from time to time from opposing coaches and things like that, but. But boy, they come up big and I couldn't do my job without them. And awesome. this is the best, uh, like I said, one of the best staffs I've ever had. Joe, do you still
0: uh, go back to your sports reporting days? Are you able to, to write a lot still these days,
1: articles, things like that? Yeah, but actually, we're we are hopeful that next year, uh, that once we add lacrosse officially, once, once they start playing, I will actually get a full-time assistant finally that's that's the plan so we're hoping that 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 actually happens and that will allow me to to write a little bit more because that that is the strength of what i do and uh you know last it was was it i think it was last must have been 2021 you know i was able to really put together some some nice feature stories that that is the best thing that i do in terms of being a writer and i won some some writing awards from what used to be called the college sports information directors of america CoSIDA, it's now csc college sports communicators uh but i, I won a couple of writing awards that year so i was I, I don't enter the writing contest very often but both of those i really liked and one of the stories uh the young lady is still with us here uh Callie fanner still she plays on the volleyball team and her mother was a lawrence volleyball player and her mother died of breast cancer so over the weekend here this last weekend we did the dig pink match where you know it's a basically a fundraiser for breast cancer research and awareness and i wrote a story about you know her and her mom and you know i mean her mother had had been deceased for i think she died in 2018 if i'm not mistaken and that was tough you know i mean sometimes it you know, the, the old sports writer in me, I love telling the, the stories and letting people know what extraordinary young men and women we have. But, you know, it tugs at my heartstrings too from time to time yeah. because I have a daughter who's that age and you just think, boy, what would that be like if that was my family? And yeah. and actually, one of the, I think one of the best things I've ever written that did not win an award, it should have <laughs> because it was pretty good, was the story I did on Davis Ogilvy, who was one of our baseball players, and uh, Davis has Tourette syndrome, yeah. so he was one of our pitchers and he was a really good hitter as well. But Davis, you would see the the involuntary sort of movements that he would have. He would shake his head like almost like he was shaking mm-hmm. off a sign, right? As a pitcher, and he would shake his head, or he would throw to first when there was nobody at first base, but. And I asked him, I'm like, Davis, why do you do that? And he said, well, my brain tells me I have to, so I do it. And, you know, so that was he that was a very interesting story to tell. And the fact that he could play at such a high level, because you think, you know, there's a very small percentage of kids, high school, like even good high school players who go on to play college sports. And Davis was a really good player. So for him to get to that level, that was a story I really wanted to tell. And it's still one of my, you know, it's one of my all-time favorites. And at the end, I was so moved when he was, we were talking and, and I just, you know, cause Tourette's as quickly as it came on for him, it can actually, it can go away as well. And he was hoping that at some point the Tourette's would ease off and he would sort of return to quote unquote normal, um, And he, you know, and and the thing he said at the end when we were talking about that was, well, you know, I just want to, I just want to, you know, meet someone and maybe get married and, you know, have a family. And I was like, wow, you know, because you think, oh, well, yeah, that's what everybody's going to do, right? You know, you're going to get married and have kids or whatever. And for him to say it like, well, this is, you know, this is, I've got to overcome this, you know, handicap to, you know, or this disease just so I can, you know, meet a nice girl and get married. I I mean, I was, I was literally, I, we, and we were talking on the phone. So he, thank God he wasn't there because I started to tear up. I mean, and then when I wrote it, I got all done and I wrote it and then I reread it. And yeah, I was, I was sitting there crying in my office and I don't do that very often. (laughs) So it's not a regular occurrence, but it was, Like stories like that, I love to tell them, and and I actually have one in the hopper here that I'm hoping to tell in the next month or so about one of our soccer players who's who's uh she's dealing with some extraordinary physical circumstances as well to be able to play uh, college sports, and I want to tell her story too. And those are published,
0: and where are those published? I'd love to read the the story on Tourette's. I, I actually have Tourette's myself, so I'm I'm
1: I'm well aware of that disease, and and uh, I, I'd love to read that story. That one actually ran in the college's magazine. Boy, I'd have to look. That's 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 uh, like over, a, that's probably like a decade sure. ago at least. But, yeah, the stories generally, they get published in the Lawrence magazine, a lot of them. And then, but, you know, the the ones that are not slated for the magazine uh, run on the Lawrence website at, you know, vikings.lawrence.edu. And then the Post Crescent, we have a, I have a unique relationship with, the newspaper here just because of my background Uh, the fact that i was a sports writer for a dozen years Uh, mike sherry who basically is the sports editor in appleton uh, mike and i were colleagues for seven years at the oshkosh northwestern so we know each other well we spent many many days sitting next to each other producing you know daily newspapers uh so you know if i can approach him and say hey i've got this great story you know would you be interested in running it and you know nine times out of 10 or maybe 10 times out of 10 mike says yes send it to me and we'll run it and he's been great and that does allow us to have a little you know footprint in the community as well from that regard but but yeah everything runs on the lawrence website at the very least so
0: there were some great sports reporters weren't there back in the day with the post creston and northwestern i know you mentioned dan flannery and uh, Dan vanderpass must have been there at that time right doctor
1: and i know doctor well yeah it was john poshton maybe a little bit before that but he was he he was i did not i i don't think i ever met him uh he was kind of funny in that john poshton would related to lawrence he would and i think the sports editor did this a lot he would give our guys nicknames so like if you were a great lawrence athlete he would come up with some nickname for you and that would be like they would like they would they would refer to you as that like in sure. a story, or in a headline. The <laughs> one I love is uh, Dave Mulford. Dave Mulford was a great football player here in the late '50s, and he was he was also a hell of a track athlete. Uh, I think his his junior and senior year back then they ran in yards and not <laughs> meters. Uh, he was undefeated in the what would now be the 800 meters, so the 880 yard run. He was. He was the best runner in the Midwest uh, for small colleges, and he was from Rockford, Illinois. So John Poston just started calling him the Rockford Rocket, <laughs> and and that nickname stuck. So when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, I was uh, I was not the chair of the Hall of Fame committee then, but but I did all the research and well, I reached out to him when he got voted in, and. He was at that time he was the chairman international of Credit Suisse First Boston, so you know fairly wealthy, powerful guy. <laughs> Before that, he had been under secretary of the treasury, so oh. in the uh, George H. Well, in the Reagan administration and the George H.W. Bush administration. So, but and then later under George W. Bush, he was U.S. ambassador to India. Okay. So, okay. Uh, really interesting individual and so i call him in his office in london and i get his assistant and she uh she says well uh well mr mulford's not here right now but i can have him call you and i said well i don't want to bother him if he's not working and she said no no he'll call you back so yeah like 30 minutes later my phone rings in my office and yeah it's dave mulford so we talk a little bit and i mentioned the rockford rocket nickname to him and He, he goes, he said, man, he said, I haven't heard that in 50 years. And he thought it was hilarious. (laughs) And so I, and I said, I said, well, I hate to bother you. I I, I said, I'm not sure, you know, where you are. He said, well, I'm in Zagreb. And I said, oh, what are you doing in Croatia? And he said, well, I'm, I'm brokering a deal to buy the telecommunications infrastructure of the country. (laughs) I just laughed and I said, oh yeah, I do stuff like that all the time. And he he said, oh, trust me, Joe, it's not that complicated. And I said, well, I'll take your word for it. So so then when I actually met him face to face, uh, he was talking with our director of development at the time, Greg Volk. And I kind of waited for a break in their conversation. I walked over and I I just stuck my hand out and I said, you must be the Rockford Rock. (laughs) And he started laughing. He goes, well, you have to be Joe. And I said, that's (laughs) me. And now every time he comes to campus, I always make a point to go and see him and say hello. He's a really, really nice man. Does the alum? Himself. You must
0: get really good engagement from the alum. I mean, there must be a lot of pride in in, in a
1: Lawrence grad. Yeah, our you know our alumni base is they are incredibly dedicated to Lawrence. Uh, I mean, I think it it speaks to their experience at the school, you know, the time that they were there. Um, but you know, one of the things that go into uh, like. College rankings like U.S. News and World Report and things like that, where you know you get ranked, and of course Lawrence is one of the you know we're the, one of the top whatever it is sixty liberal arts colleges in the country. Um, but part of that is uh, one of the one of the rankings criteria is how much do your alumni give back to the college? What percentage give back? And at Lawrence, it's consistently around the fifty percent mark, wow. which. You know, I, I'm a UW Oshkosh grad. I guarantee 50% of my fellow 1989 <laughs> graduates are not giving back to UWL. So, I, and I, I donate to Lawrence every year. It's just something that that I always do. Yeah. You know, it, it's not a lot of money, but it's the principle of it for me. And we, we have a lot of that. We see that with alumni games where for a typical, and certainly men's basketball had so much success in that first decade of the 2000s so those guys still come back you know you might have you, you go to an, a, an alumni game we usually do that on a Saturday like we're playing in the afternoon and then they'll have an alumni game at like 10 in the morning and there'll be 40 guys who show up and they all want to play and you know and it gets pretty competitive <laughs> as well but it's the same with baseball you know well baseball softball you know, it's amazing how many alums show up and like with softball, when Kim Tetro was the coach, she was the coach for 30 years. Yeah. So like her softball alumni game, it was a huge reunion. You know, you just had all these women who would come back on a weekend and hang out, play the alumni game, you know, have, you know, have uh, have a meal together. And, you know, it was just one of those things that you, you always did. And I, I'm, I'm always a little stunned by that because I didn't come from that environment in terms of my college experience. But but here at Lawrence, yeah, it's it's very I should say it's, it's expected. But, you know, and we're it's now, you know, we've always done it for basketball and things like that. But now, you know, even volleyball is involved and the men's and women's soccer teams will play an alumni game. And, you know, but the only thing we don't do is football. But we have done that in the past. The first year I was there, Dave Brown was our head coach, and they played a full-contact alumni really? football Really? Really? Yes. I'm not sure why why Brownie wanted to do that, but he did. And they, yeah. they, they had to be – there was probably, I would say, 60 alums who showed up for that, and they split the teams in half. You know, they had a blue team and a white team, and – and they played, and they didn't do the kicking part of it, so there was no kicking, there were no there were no kick returns, no punt returns, so that, that took some of that out of it. So it was a little more like a controlled scrimmage, but there was still, it was live, 11 on 11, and neither team was able to score. But I do remember uh, Dick yeah. Napinski was there, Dick, who now does all, he does our live streams for football and basketball, but Dick was they're writing a story for the post crescent and there were a bunch of Appletonese football kids there watching pat schwanki who was playing <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and one of them as schwanki was running down the field one of the kids he was right in front of the press box so we could hear we could hear those guys talking plain as day and the kid said, man, is he slow.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he was, yes. But it was, that was a, it, it looked like the white team was going to score a touchdown because Rich Agnes, who's from the class sure. of 67 was yep. playing quarterback. And he throws one down the sideline, wide open, Stacy Seidel from the class of 1999. Yep, exactly. So he had just <laughs> graduated and Seidel catches it. Looks like it's going to be a touchdown, and from out of nowhere, uh, Steve Young, Nina High School football coach Steve Young, yeah, exactly. and Lawrence All American, Steve Young comes out of nowhere and just absolutely blasts Seidel, <laughs> lifts him off his feet out of bounds, and yeah, no touchdown. <laughs> so neither team scored. But that was a. It was there were probably, well, I'd say four to five hundred people in the Bon Bowl watching that. It was a, it was an absolute blast. So much fun. And no one got hurt. That was the amazing part. No serious injuries.
2: (laughs) One of the things you bring up, and I remember this as, as coaching there as well is the athletes, no matter what sport they play, it's like a family and they all are together. They all know each other. And I don't know if it's the same today as it was when I was coaching baseball, but you know, those those uh those players for whatever sport it is they all stick up for each other they all look out for each other and it is a unique atmosphere um, at Lawrence for sure and that comes from the student side as well I think
1: they all yeah you're right they all they all definitely I mean it's a it's a small place it's fifteen hundred yeah. kids so you know you definitely yeah. know a lot of the other athletes but those those kids will come out and watch the other teams play. Yeah, uh, we had we played volleyball uh, midweek against Carroll and our volleyball team is in a rebuilding uh, mode here because Meg Gross is the brand new coach. She wasn't hired until late spring, so really yeah. didn't have a recruiting class to speak of. So we were kind of, you know, we're, we're kind of starting from scratch. So, we you know, we knew we weren't going to beat Carroll unless Carroll played its absolute worst match of the year. But yeah, there were probably uh, boy. I'd say there were there were at least a hundred student athletes in the crowd, nice. and we actually you know we in the we, we actually played okay, played pretty well, lost in three sets, but we you know we made it competitive, and yeah, every time we scored, man, the the football guys and the hockey guys are going crazy along with the soccer <laughs> girls, and yep. I mean it was it was a lot of fun. But that's that's pretty normal where you see you know athletes show up to watch. The other athletes yeah. and and it is you 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 know and obviously now my daughter you know Anna plays tennis and she runs track so she okay. knows a lot of kids but you know and she works for me so she comes to a lot of games but but it is kind of amazing how you know like she'll she was telling me the other day they were they were doing, hanging out with one of the hockey guys. And I'm like, well, how do you really know him? And she's like, well, <laughs> you know, he's in one of my classes. And, you know, so it was like three or four of us. And we decided to go have coffee together. And I'm like, okay. But yeah, it, it is, it's a, it's a small sort of tight knit group. And way yeah. back when the fraternities had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Cause we, you had the Phi delts, the three biggies were the Phi delts, the, uh, the, the delts and the betas. Yep. and traditionally the the phi delts were were the football guys and the wrestlers, the the delts were the baseball guys and the hockey guys, and the betas were the swimmers. So now that has changed over the years. <laughs> you know that that population is a little more diverse, but but in a lot of ways, you know that that was kind of how they sort of all bonded together. And right. there, yeah, there's great support among the student athletes, and I the kids. You yeah, they really appreciate that. Yeah, I yeah. think they they get excited when you know the other athletes that they know are in the stands cheering for them.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know that, and that, that's what was fun about coaching as well because you you always had people in the stands, and uh, that was that was the fun thing about coaching at Lawrence and just just seeing the excitement that those players had. Like you said, because their friends are sitting there watching them. No matter what it was, no matter yep. where it was,
1: and I, I always thought too that the, uh, the the way that we, that Laurentians sort of show up, no matter where we're playing, because we we see that all the time where, we're playing basketball at Lake Forest, let's say, and yeah, all of a sudden there'll be there might be a group of twenty Lawrence alums who come out to watch us play, <laughs> because they live nice. in the Chicagoland area. Or the one that really sticks out for me was the 2004 the NCAA basketball tournament. So we we won the uh, we won the opening round game at home. We beat Lakeland. Um, Gary Gresh was the Lakeland coach back then, the Saint oh. Norbert coach, um, and that's a game he does not want to remember because <laughs> <laughs> I think we beat him by 38. Um, but then we went we had to go to Buena Vista, so we went to Storm Lake, Iowa, on so we played Wednesday went to Storm Lake, beat Buena Vista on Saturday, got back to Appleton at about 6.15 Sunday morning um, after driving all night back from Western Iowa. And then we left just a few days later to fly to Tacoma, Washington to play the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games.
3: Yeah. And,
1: you know, we, we get out there and, you know, we it was at the University of Puget Sound and our alumni folks had put out uh, you know, like an email to all the uh, Lawrence alums in the Seattle area, and so when on that uh, Saturday we we made it, we won Friday night against Sol Ross State from Texas, which I had never heard of until we <laughs> played them, um, and then we ended up playing Stevens Point, and I would say it's the greatest Division three basketball game that no one saw. Uh, you know, it was Elite Eight. It was overtime. It went down to a final shot. It was amazing. I mean, it was two heavyweight champions just trading haymakers with each other, and they got the last punch in and, yep. and beat us. Of course, they won the national. Was title. that a Jack Bennett team? Um, was Jack points coach? Okay, correct. Jack, yep. Jack was the coach. Nick Bennett, his his son, was on the team, and Nick hit the three pointer that forced the overtime with Jason Holland back. Sure absolutely draped all over him. I, I still can't believe that went in, but it did. Um, and then we missed a three at the buzzer that would have sent us to the final four. But we had emailed Lawrence alums because there were only about 250 people at the game, but there were, there were like 75 Lawrence alumni who showed oh, up. yeah, <laughs> And we had way more fans there than Stevens Point did. And, awesome. and that was all, you know, told them it was going on and, they came out to support the basketball team, and I know our guys were just floored by the fact that there were so many Lawrence people in the building. But and we almost won it for him. Came yeah, came, had had uh, well the the final play there in overtime was uh, we were up one, and Stevens point hit a little jumper that put them up one. And I remember looking up at the clock and it said 5.6 seconds, and Chris Breyer inbounded the ball to Dan Evans, who was our point guard, yep. and Danny caught it like a wide receiver going across the middle, right? He catches it and cuts up the floor, and he, he ended up, like, cutting back to the right, and I think he, he told me later, and this was kind of in my head, I, I thought he's going to go to the basket and lay it in because no one was slowing him down. The, the pointers were kind of unorganized. And finally, Nick Bennett just kind of came out of nowhere, and he he stepped up and forced Danny farther away from the lane, and he just kicked it out to Hollenbeck, who was wide open for a three, and he just, he just missed it. It just skipped over the rim. You know, if he shoots it another three inches, it probably goes in and we win. And, of course, Hollenbeck, on the day, uh, that was one of only two three-pointers he missed. He went six for wow. eight in the game on threes. And I know he felt terrible about it. And I told him after I'm like, dude, if you don't make the first six, we're, right, we're in the right. game. Exactly. But yep. you know, but that was that's like I said. I always say that's the that's the best game no one ever saw because it wasn't live streamed back then. No one was doing that. In yep. 2004, the game was broadcast on WLFM on our <laughs> camp. We had an over-the-air campus radio station then, and the game was broadcast on WLFM. But that was the only place sure. you could hear it. And it was, it was pretty wild.
0: Isn't it amazing how far sports have come here in 20 years? I mean, you're, you're right in at the Post Crescent. That's that's how we get our news, and now everything's live-streamed, and it's social media. It's just incredible
1: what's what's happened over the last two decades. Yeah, my job has changed. It's nothing like when I, I started. Believe uh, I, I believe it. I believe when I started, that was the first incarnation of the Lawrence website, so lawrence.edu, and – you know, I just we we weren't even I think literally I think the first time that we started posting box scores to the website was that spring baseball and softball season. Otherwise, we had never done it. And, you know, I'm not sure the previous sports information director knew how. <laughs> I didn't know how either. I figured it out. But, uh, you know, to go from there to now, yes, we're live streaming everything. And we've been live streaming probably since about 2006 so we we were pretty early on doing that and but just the way the technology has changed and just the the vast array of stuff that you can see on the website i mean you know we play and within you know 90 minutes of the game being over you know there's a box score there's a game recap there might be a photo gallery of photos from that game because we have we have a great uh, athletics photographer. His name is Paul Wilkie. He is phenomenal and I couldn't do my job without him. He's just an amazing guy. So we, you know, we have all that stuff where you, you know, Hey, your kid just played and look, that's them scoring a goal, right? Or that's, you know, that's them scoring a touchdown and you can download the photo and you know, you've got it for forever, yeah. which I think is just amazing. And then, yeah, people will, people will complain when we don't stream something and, or the, oh, well, the stream went out. Of course, you know, as I always say, this is not as simple as turning on your right. television when we're live streaming an event. Right. So sometimes right. technical things do happen. But I always remind people, don't complain too much. It's free. Oh, right. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> just remember, it's free. But we, we, we are very fortunate in that regard, too, because, as I said earlier, Dick Napinski does our play-by-play for football and basketball. And he's great. I mean... Yeah. You know, Dick does a lot of other, you know, games here locally with the radio stations and stuff. So, and then I do the uh, play by play for hockey and for baseball and softball. So, and not to pat myself too hard on the back, but, you know, we do get a lot of compliments about our live streaming and how good it is. And because a lot in a lot of these, a lot of these schools that we're playing, you know, when you're down at Knox or you're at, Illinois College or you're at Cornell you know you might not be getting the same quality in the play-by-play guys you're getting when you're playing at right. Lawrence and so we're very fortunate a lot of times when we're on the road it's so bad I can't even listen to it and I just turn sure. the sound down <laughs> I, just <watch> the, <laughs> I just watch the video but but yeah we're we're really lucky to have Dick and then like I said it's something it's a role that I've grown into I had never done it before. I had never ever done play-by-play until I started doing it here, and now it seems like second nature. I, I would say doing the baseball and the softball too; those are my favorite sure. things. I mean, I, I as, as as Tosh knows, I'm through and through. I'm a baseball guy. I love baseball, yeah. and you know, getting to call us winning a conference tournament championship, you know, winning the conference title a couple of years ago. That was that's a lot awesome. of fun. Who do you draw your, your
0: play-by-play influences from? I mean, so basically self-taught, it sounds like.
1: Yep. Yeah, self-taught. Um, but I always say I'm definitely influenced by, you know, well, 50 years of watching or listening to right, Bob right. Um, You know, that that definitely – because when, when one of our guys fires a fastball right down the middle, I will say bullseye, sure? which is – that's <laughs> very much a eucharism. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll say that on the air too, where I will say to people, okay, you know, that's, it's a Bob Euchre thing, but yeah, I mean, that definitely, you know, and when one just misses, I will throw out a shot, the corner. And sure. Oh yeah. Um, Here it is. <laughs> Cause that's, yep. That's a Eucharism as well. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely an influence on, on me. And, and I also in the regard that when we're playing and you know, baseball, there's time, you know, there's time, where you can either let the dead air kind of hang there or, you know, if there's, there's a pitching change or, cause we don't, you know, we don't, we don't have commercials. So, you know, <laughs> but it, it was, it, it is funny though. We were making a pitching change and, or the other, I think the other team was making a pitching change and I looked down and I, I thought, you know, the coach made the motion to the left field corner. And so the pitcher starts walking in and, and I said, ah, the U.S. Cellular call to the bullpen has been made. <laughs>
3: and,
1: and I just said, oh, you know, we'll, we'll be back in about 30 seconds to tell you about the, the new picture. And I turned the sound down. And my student worker said, man, we have a sponsor for that. <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, we do, actually. But, but yeah, I, I I love doing it. It's so much fun. But, yeah, you know, I mean, I've certainly listened to a lot of Euchre and that that definitely – influences me so i I do like to be able to give some background give a little color to the game you know tell people about historical things that that i know that um other people don't and just share some of that as well because to me that that gives you a little bigger picture about who we are and what we're doing and how we do it and how long we've been doing it and things like that absolutely and and i do i mean i i love to tell there are some stories I can't tell on the air. <laughs> They're a little off color, <laughs> as it were. But I, I, one of my favorites is still the uh, when we were playing UW Oshkosh at Fox City Stadium. And Tosh was in the dugout for this. Yeah. And um, oh, my Lord, I, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Chris McGinley. Chris McGinley right. hit a home run against the Gosh. Titans that almost cleared the scoreboard. I hit right. right near the top of the scoreboard and let's just say that tom lechner the uw oshkosh coach at the time <laughs> was not real thrilled about that and no. we ended up winning the game the first game of a double header well wow. and that that is one of the still one of the longest home runs i've ever seen the the only longer one was a couple years ago where jacob sharon are there was the year 2021 where he hit or 2022 where he had 20 homers and he drove in 61, I think it was in a, you know, in a 40 game season and he hit one over the left field fence at Ripon and onto the roof of their field house, which is about a four story building. So uh, that's, that one's pretty long, but I, I vividly remember the McGinley home run and Lechner's reaction to his team after they lost and yeah, that's wow. something I can't repeat, but no. Was, oh my gosh. He, he was not happy. So, well, you were I remember
2: it. They were number three in the nation at the time. Correct. And we were, we went down the spring tri- spring trip and
1: didn't win a game. Yep. So, yeah, we were like, Oh, yeah. Right? and yeah, that it was, was crazy. That was the year we went to like Virginia and North Carolina and just played like a murderer's yep. row of non-conference teams down there. And then he yeah, came back here and, Beat the titans i believe and that is the highest ranked team we've ever defeated
2: yeah. in baseball that was wasn't ricky on the mound for that too from I don't chicago
1: remember oh that,
2: i think he was yeah he might have been be. could be yeah yeah that was that was a
1: bomb though that was it was impressive well mcginley was a big man I, he was six five <laughs> and like 260 pounds he played quarterback one year at lawrence yep. he also played defensive end during his career at football career at lawrence <laughs> And he got worked out by the Packers. They were looking because yeah. he was the long snapper. So they yeah, they right. came up here and and worked him out. And the scout basically said, he's big enough and he's fast enough. He said, but, you know, he's he's not exceptional enough where we would sign him because we can sign, you know, we can get a Division One guy or whatever, and it would take too long to make him as good as we'd want him to be. And the Packers also worked out Chris Breyer. As a potential yeah. football player. Um, yep. they looked at him as a tight end. So because Briar, and I'm not sure this is something that's common knowledge, but uh Breyer was asked to walk on to play football at Wisconsin and he chose basketball at Lawrence instead. And of course he was a three-time All-American and the national player of the year. So I think he made a pretty good decision.
2: <laughs> I think so. <laughs> well, you know, I know we don't want to keep you all night here. I'm sure we could. I'm, we could talk for a while. Mm-hmm. What's something that you're really excited about coming up in the next few years or something you see down the road with your job, with Lawrence, you know, something that, that excites you that you're looking forward to?
1: Well, I think for me, it's, I think there are a lot of possibilities right now where I think our women's soccer team is on the verge of being really good, where they can get back to the NCAA tournament, And because we we haven't played in the NCAA tournament since 2010 in women's soccer. Uh, So I I would love to see that again because they they are they're close. So, I mean, it could happen as early as this year. That would be very exciting. And I love Joe Sager, our women's soccer coach. If you have not met Joe Sager, he is a treat. Uh, He is from (laughs) Manchester, England, and he's he's. He's he's very he's just humorous, uh, and he always has something interesting to say to an official. Every now and then. <laughs> uh, he uh, my one of my favorite comments uh, from him was uh, there was a call that went against us, and uh, and I can and I am sitting on the opposite side of the field because I am in the Bontable press box, and he is on the east side of the field on the bench, yeah. and I hear Joe Sager say don't worry sir I've seen even good officials miss that call <laughs> needless to say That's he awesome. immediately got a yellow card but uh, but women's soccer that I'm very like I said I, I can see some really good things happening for them and for me boy the baseball too you know we yeah. we got to the NCAA tournament you know a couple of seasons ago and I think that that is a distinct possibility again here in 2024. They have a great group of guys coming back and Jacob Sharon is taking full advantage of the COVID situation and our new business major. He wants to finish, uh, add a business major because that that's something new that we just added this last year. So he wants to complete his degree in that. So he is going to play a sixth season here in 2025 or
2: 2024. (laughs) So he will
1: be back. Um, So I'm really looking forward to, to those two and then boy I, I just feel like we're right on the cusp with basketball of being really good. The two basketball coaches we have right now, Riley Walt on the women's side and Casey Corn on the men's side, they are they are passionate, they are diligent, and they are pretty smart guys. And I definitely foresee both of those programs doing some really special things in the next, you know, say five years or so. I mean, I think they're they're really close. And for Casey, just keeping his group together will be, you know, that's that's where that didn't happen this, you know, this past offseason. And with Riley, boy, like I said, he's he's got some really interesting players. So this this could be a, a really good season, but would love to see some NCAA tournament basketball uh at Lawrence again. I mean those are the things that really get me going. And then of course all the, you know, the, the lacrosse thing, that's a new challenge for me because I am not a lacrosse guy. I (laughs) I don't, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. So I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have to buy the lacrosse for dummies book, (laughs) 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 do some, do some serious studying here over the next year. But, and and he's been great. He's, he's so willing to help me learn the game because I definitely need to do that.
2: My youngest has picked it up, and he's he plays hockey, football, and lacrosse. And he says it's it's lacrosse is the most physical sport he plays. Yep, I believe it. So you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it for
1: sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, I've never seen it live in person, so that that will be a new thing for me as well. Fastest game on grass. Uh,
2: Well, Jill, I, I appreciate your time. Um, I, you know, maybe in the future we can get back together again and uh, and talk all things Lawrence again. But this was awesome. Um, love your stories. I, I'm glad you didn't tell any stories about my days and Corey's days of coaching, because <laughs> I'm sure there are some. I, re, I remember a ripping game at uh, American Legion getting kicked out of. So, um, <laughs> Oh, I had forgotten so. about that,
1: actually. <laughs> now that you mentioned that, I do
2: remember that. Yeah, that that umpire and I did not see eye to eye, but hey, it was good. Um, no, but thank you so much. Uh, you've done amazing things, and it was it was fun catching up. And those you know those first ten years of uh, your career at Lawrence were when I was there, and it was it was uh, always a blast to have you around. And I'm sure everybody there says the same thing now.
1: I, I appreciate the opportunity. It's it's I you know obviously I'm very passionate about. Lawrence and love to talk about it, but you know, the you know we're 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 kind of the the hidden gem in the community here, you know. And I always encourage people to come out because obviously most of the events, other than say football, basketball, hockey, everything else is free. Yeah, you can come out and watch us play, and you know, in some great you know historic venues like Alexander Gym and the Bonta Bowl, and you know that it's. I love that part. And there's, you know, as as much as, you know, you know, Whiting Field is not Yankee Stadium by any stretch, <laughs> but <Nope. laughs> there's there's nothing like, you know, you, you sit out there, you bring your lawn chair and you, you know, pull it up to the fence. And, yeah, you know, you can enjoy an afternoon of baseball. And, those, and it's good baseball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Chris Kreplin yeah, has done an amazing job with the baseball program and he's got some. He's got some pretty good dudes on the team yeah. and he's got some really good players who came in this year too so yeah i'm excited Fantastic. for next spring in the history lesson you've
0: given us i cannot believe a creek runs under bond under the bonta bowl never knew that apple tony
1: in my whole life never knew that there are lots of uh you know the that whole area over there is there have been so many kind of crazy historic things that have happened on, on our little plot of land over there but yeah whether it's, it is. I, I feel very fortunate to have stumbled into this career because that's, you know, I didn't do it intentionally. It just worked out that way. And, and you know, I'm very, I'm, I'm a better person for it. Very lucky.
2: Well, your, your passion definitely shows through. It's, a, it's pretty incredible. So, well, thank you again. And, uh, you know, maybe we can, we can, uh, well, maybe once the baseball season or the basketball season here and we get some, uh, some runs, and uh, we can talk again and uh, shoot the shoot shoot the information about Lawrence What's a little bit more for this community.
1: That would be great. I once again, I really appreciate uh, you guys having me. Likewise. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. Thank you.
0: All right, Tosh. We are back to the throwback time, and we go back to the same year as last week with John Smoltz. We go back to 2012, and we have a CBS announcer. Uh, the Red Smith group went with a long streak of CBS sports announcers, and Leslie Visser <laughs> was was one of those um, that year. But she was fantastic. I mean, she's had yeah. an incredible career. Um, very well known has covered you know the the top events uh, you know ever everything,
2: yeah. everything from final four to monday night football to triple crown olympics the super bowl mm-hmm. i mean you name it she she's was part of it for sure
0: yeah she she was the real deal for sure and it is the real deal and um i certainly remember her uh growing up and, and all through the, i think anybody yeah, younger than us, even will we'll, we'll know Leslie Visser, and she was fantastic uh, when when she came to the banquet. She came as as a as a speaker, and she she lived up to that for sure. Tosh, I mean, just smooth and and great message, and yeah. just from a from a unique point of view. Yeah, you know, th- things weren't always like like they seem, and 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 she was able to overcome and and really be a be a superstar, a rock star.
2: Well, you know, and she paved the way. For a lot of uh, a lot of sportscasters we have today, I mean, 2009—that's not that long ago. Right, she became the first woman to be an analyst for an NFL game on TV. That's crazy.
0: It, that I is mean, it
2: really truly crazy. She, um, 2006, she was recognized with the Pete Rozelle Radio Television Award um, by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, she. I mean, we can keep going here. American Sportscasters Association, number one female sportscaster of all time. Yeah. Uh, National Sports Writers and Sportscasters Association Hall of Fame in 2015 and the International Sports Hall of Fame in 2020. It's
0: pretty good, huh? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't get much better than that, does it?
0: <laughs> 2009, like you said, to, to be the first female to, to, to be a reporter, in the yeah. nfl i mean that's that you're right that isn't that long ago and and i guess we, we've made pretty good strides we can certainly do more um absolutely but you look at some of the great female reporters that that have come through and are still still doing the thing thanks to leslie Visser, that's yeah. that's pretty cool and, and it's great to have leslie in in appleton it's it's always i just have to pinch myself when some of these people that you you, you know you grow up watching on tv They're in our backyard speaking at the local hotel
2: iconic sports announcer i mean one of the one of the best and right here in appleton wisconsin at the redsmith sports banquet so uh, i hope you enjoy this and remember if you really do enjoy this uh, check out the full interview on youtube and get those snippets on the noosa cast on thursdays full interviews on sundays
1: Red Smith Sports Awards, Banquet Throwback. The Red Smith Award, of course, goes to someone who has made some unique contributions to sport in Wisconsin, and also epitomizes the great values that Red Smith exhibited. Let's
0: give a Red Smith welcome. we're so pleased to have with us tonight, Leslie Visser. Leslie?
3: Wow. Thank you, Chuck. No wonder I'm exhausted. <laughs> I have heard so much about this banquet. It is everything that I thought it would be. I've, many of your speakers are great friends of mine jay billis and greg gumbel last year he said you're just going to love it the people are so real and there are so many of you i've given college graduation commencement addresses and there weren't as many people <laughs> as there are here so thank thank you all so much for coming and congratulations uh... especially to the the parents and the coaches and certainly the young students the award winners chuck i'm glad you mentioned one thing because We've all been here for a while, and you know, I've heard a lot of colleges mentioned. We got Nebraska, we got Marquette, we got Colgate. What we got over here? We got Wisconsin, we got uh, Green Bay. We even had almost Michigan State. I mean, a little love for Boston College. Do you mind? (laughs) Does nobody send their kids to Boston College? Okay, one of the award winners, Sigi, thank you. One of the, where's Katie? Katie's undecided. But yes, Katie, talk to me afterwards. (laughs) And the gamblers, you're not doing enough. Really, you had a list this long. As I said, thank you to Mike Reese, to the sponsors, uh, Chuck, for introducing me. I'm I'm so uh, thrilled to be here. Uh, I first came to Green Bay in the late 70s. As Chuck mentioned, I was the first woman to... Cover the NFL, and I came here with the Boston Globe. And it was an immediate love affair. Anyone who knows me knows that for 35 years, when people ask me, What's your favorite place in America? I always say, Lambo in January. <laughs> I do. never colder, and I have covered games in Kansas City and Soldier Field and, you know, even the old Cleveland Coliseum with that wind whipping off the lake, but I am never happier than I am here. Um, people always ask, you know, what are your favorite mem- memories, moments in sports? And one of mine was certainly in 1996 when you trailed Carolina at halftime, but you came back to win to send the Packers to the, your first Super Bowl in 30 years. And one of my strongest memories is Reggie holding up the Hallis Trophy and running around the field as everyone stayed there and the band played what, John Smoltz? Roll Out the Barrel. (laughs) See where, yes, you could have had a career here. (laughs) Well, like some of the people here who talked about their childhood, I wanted to be a sports writer from the time I was 10 years old and the job did not exist for women. Uh, If there's one thing all of you can take from me tonight, I hope it's that it doesn't matter if you're male or female, if you're black, if you're white, if you're Hispanic or Native American, the job didn't exist when I wanted to be a sports writer, did not exist for women. And if there's one thing you can take from me, it's that it can happen. You can do it. There is no mountain high enough. You heard from Amon, You heard from John. Uh, you know, you just have to, You have to name it to claim it. And I said to my mother, I want to be a sports writer. I was 10 years old. We were living in Cincinnati. And my mom said, instead of saying, oh, girls, don't do that. You can't do that. She said, you know what? Sometimes you have to cross when it says don't walk. And it was like, it was very powerful for me, and I just was able to, you know, really have that dream and and go after it. Uh, I was an unusual child um, on Halloween. I would dress up as Sam Jones, you know, the Celtic backcourt. (laughs) Great Sam Jones. You know, other little girls were going as Mary Poppins. And I would have my number 24 shirt and my high-cut cons, so I'm sure that was a little unusual in Cincinnati, Ohio, but you know, I, it, the parents and coaches, you're all so important to your families and, and to the young people that you have charge over because you can you can shape them. You do shape them. They shaped probably all of us uh, up here on the podium. I. Uh, As Chuck mentioned, yes, when I started, the credentials did say no women or children in the press box, which was so um, diminishing. You know, imagine you're going off to your job, and right there on your credential, it says you're not really welcome. But the Boston Globe was so progressive, and um, they made me the first woman to cover the NFL, and it was the Patriots, and, you know, they were really... um, glorious to take that risk with me and for me but uh... i learned humility quickly um, there were no provisions for equal access maybe the first eight or nine years i covered the nfl so i'd be out in the parking lot waiting for the athletes to come out and you know, i'd be out there by myself freezing in three rivers or here in lambo wherever it was and i remember actually mark and i were talking about this there was a a quarterback that you may not remember uh... he was with the baltimore colts of course People just remember Johnny Unitas, but do do any of you guys remember a quarterback, Burt Jones? Yeah, remember Burt Jones? Yeah, Burt Jones, great from LSU. So Burt Jones, I I was single at the Boston Globe, and Burt Jones, as you remember, was like a real good-looking guy, young quarterback. So now I'm out in the parking lot waiting for them to come out. It was after a Patriots game. And Burt Jones said, um, hey, have you ever been to Baltimore? You know, I could send you must have been eastern airlines then you know i'll send you a shuttle ticket you know you come on down and i went into this thing absolutely not this is my job i take it very seriously and he finally like hit me on the shoulder and said hey you're not that great <laughs> So <laughs> i learned very quickly i had lots of embarrassing moments if you want to hear them um, why sports um, I thought then, as I do now, I think sports is the greatest meritocracy in America. In sports, it doesn't matter where your father went to college. It doesn't matter how much money your mother had. You know, either Amon got the first down. By the way, isn't your memory of Amon Green that every time he carried the ball, he got 10 yards? <laughs> I swear, that was my memory. But it wasn't it, really. Really. it's great to watch. So, I mean, that, that was... Uh, Amon did that, you know, coming from Omaha. John threw his fastball by an awful lot of people and grew up, as he said, in modest circumstances in Michigan. And that really is what is just so great about sports. It's most of the people are self, all of them are self-made and they, they do their jobs in public and all of us, everyone critiques them. And I, I just always had tremendous admiration for that. Um, when I was um... inducted into the pro hall of fame i got a little note from john madden that i've always cherished uh... you remember this okay for when you go in the hall of fame and john uh... wrote me a note and he said you know the hall of fame it's not something you can be born into it's not something you can buy your way into it's something you have to earn your way into and so i i guess that kind of sums up my great respect i have for sports um, i will finish by telling you that, um, the greatest thing I think I ever learned in my almost 40 years now of covering sports was, um, one year at Wimbledon, Billie Jean King, who was really my idol besides Sam Jones, who, by the way, if you ever see him, he begs me not to tell that story anymore about how every Halloween, but (laughs) I loved him. Uh, but Billie Jean, I think, was really my idol, and, um... One year at Wimbledon, you know, she was always in the Wimbledon final, Billie Jean King, always in the Wimbledon final. And so one year I said to her over there, I said, you know, Billie Jean, what is the pressure of always being in the Wimbledon final? And you know how sometimes you can hear something and it actually changes the chemistry of your brain? Billie Jean looked at me and said, are you kidding? Pressure is a privilege. And I... I've always, ever since that day, that's how I've tried to embrace it. And I I hope for all of you that that's maybe something you can carry. So tonight, I thank you for the pressure and the privilege. Thank you.
2: All right everyone it is time for that segment that segment that we like to joke about and screw up the title but it is the forgotten and never forgotten. and this is where we take a look at the things that we we truly want to forget you don't want to remember them they should be gone but you also have to think about those things that you never want to forget they're never forgot forgotten. right so um joe I'm going to let you take it to start with. What what do you want to forget? Well, Tosh, it's actually something
0: I thought I I did forget, but I, I almost got reminded that I forgot about it because it came back to me. So I don't know if I'm even in the right category, but we're going with it. <laughs> Frazier. So I'm, I oh. i don't watch a lot of TV, but I just happen to have the TV on. flipped around and there's this new Frazier that came out. But I mean, yeah. I know you and I were, were Frazier fans back in the day. I, I know I spent... Oh, I don't know, early Netflix or something like that. Watching the whole series, I think it's, it was one of my all-time favorite just sitcoms. Um, so so funny. But I had forgotten about Frasier, and I'm actually kind of excited that it's coming back. I, do, I I watched just the first episode. It was it was decent, you know. It was Frasier. Okay. But uh, I I had forgotten about him, and and I I always loved I've always loved him. He, even back to right. the, back
2: to the Cheers days yeah that was that's one that kind of slides back and forth between the two joe yes but uh (laughs) that's good Uh, i i want to forget and uh, you know i I think i've said it in a podcast before but we're getting to that point where we don't see a lot of construction but it's still there yeah and i'm getting sick of it (laughs) Uh, especially 441. hopefully they're going to start uh start finishing that up but you know there's still orange barrels and uh cones everywhere throughout the the city and I know we're getting to the end of that construction season, but, um, yeah, it's, it's time to, uh, forget that, uh, forget that construction. I'm, I'm kind of done with it. Yeah. I, Tosh, I think
0: of you every morning when I'm, when I'm watching the weather, they put the, they put the traffic right there <laughs> with the weather and they always have a camera right there at yep. college or Calumet and 441. And all just, right. yep,
2: nothing but, and all you see are taillights. You got so, it.
0: Yep. You got it. Today <laughs> it was, today it was glassier, glossy taillights with, yeah. with the wet.
2: Yeah yeah but you know what what you just said takes me into my uh never forgetting yeah what aren't you forgetting and, uh, thunderstorms yeah i love a good thunderstorm <laughs> i almost i don't night you i don't care if it's the end of october yeah a good thunderstorm and and at night and you hear that thunder and you see the lightning yes um there's nothing like that it's better when it's the middle of summer and your windows are open and you kind of get the smell and everything else but I tell you what, that thunderstorm this morning—we're um, doing this on Tuesday, the twenty-fourth. Yes, uh, that was a that was a good thunderstorm, yeah. um, and you know what. I don't want a thunderstorm that's going to cause a lot of damage and stuff i just want a good old-fashioned thunderstorm yeah and uh that was a that was a good thunderstorm this morning that
0: was about perfect uh i actually biked through it on the way back home <laughs> <laughs> but i was prepared for it it was actually kind of cool when, when you're ready for it, it it's actually kind of neat to have the lightning going uh okay. around you. but it was it, but it was warm today it was so nice that yeah, was with, with that and tonight even before we recorded i it, like I said, I almost went with that because it felt like a summer night. I was sitting out in the back porch for a little bit. And I mean, it was yeah. still just thick, humid air with, with, you could hear the thunder, the lightning. It wasn't a huge storm, but it was, Absolutely. it felt like a, yeah, I love it, Tash, a summer, a summer thunderstorm.
2: So what are you never forgetting?
0: Well, I'm excited to, to never forget this. I, it, You and I, I think have hinted about it a, a little bit through, through the last, you know, all the episodes, but it's official. Lacrosse is in the twenty twenty eight Summer Olympics in Los Angeles. Oh, it's nice. it's going to be, yep. I think, it's going to be sixes, six on six, but I'm not one hundred percent sure on that. But regardless, lacrosse is going to be in the Olympics. And It'll
2: be great. Kind of yeah. as a
0: side note as well, flag football as well yes. It's going to be. Uh, and in fact, it was funny because some, I don't remember what players it was, but some players of note. I bet you that's going to be a competitive team Flag like football, Absolutely. like ex-athletes, sure. you know, former NFL yep. guys all playing. That'll be, that'll actually, I think be a lot of fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. That's going to be exciting. Um, yeah, those two, two interesting sports and uh, it's going to be, you know, lacrosse is, is going to be amazing, but flag football is going to be fun. Yeah. I have a feeling that's going to be a a, a lot of fun to watch and it'll be interesting to see who, uh, comes out and you know plays for that team. You get some ex NFL quarterbacks and wide receivers and things like that. So yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. Absolutely, well, that's good, Joe. That that'll be that'll be fantastic. Olympic Games 2028. Yes, can hardly wait. Tash can hardly wait. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a that was our F and F, our forgotten and never forgetting. Hope you enjoyed that, and continue to uh, hit those socials. And like and subscribe. All right, Joel, that was another great episode of the NoosaCast. Where do you think they can uh, listen to more of these? Well, Tash, there's a couple of places that they can go.
0: One one place, relatively new, a little thing called iTunes, uh, and another thing too. I think it, that this just started as well, Spotify. So, so those two new services. Why don't you? Go check those out. There's little buttons there, little plus buttons that you can hit that, uh, hey, it really helps us out, Tash, when they hit those buttons.
2: Absolutely. And they can also go to YouTube and check out the full throwback on Sunday mornings. If you ever wondered what we look like, Tash, check out YouTube, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Good luck, folks.
0: Thanks for listening to the NoosaCast. We appreciate your support. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do so and tell a friend. A huge thanks to Digstown for all the music in today's episode. Catch a gig or find them on Spotify. Northeastern Wisconsin Sports Advancement is a 501c3 organization. Our mission is to raise money, provide support, and create awareness for youth sports organizations in northeastern Wisconsin. We do this primarily through the Red Smith Sports Award Banquet and the NoosaCast. Each year, we give back to the community through three initiatives. The Every Kid Plays, the Gives Back Initiative, and scholarships to student-athletes.